the OrthoPAC, hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the OrthoPAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome today's guest, John Kodoski. John is a PA and works in orthopedic trauma in San Antonio. John is here today to talk about skeletal traction. John, thanks for being on the podcast. Sam, thanks for having me back. Thank you. So I'd ask you about contraindications and, you know, some of the obvious ones, like if someone has some skin breakdown or a lesion or abrasion or whatever. I read some others like uh, osteoporosis or if someone has cardiovascular disease, pregnancy, claustrophobia. I'm just reading a little list. But there was a mention of rheumatoid arthritis as being a possible contraindication. And I, I wasn't sure why. Do you have any idea why that might be? That's not a contraindication for us. I've read that previously, and, and I also don't consider pregnancy to be a contraindication for it either. That is, we're very far away. We're using very, very low doses of lidocaine, which is a very safe drug, and we're using that just in the skin and on the periosteum, so it's safe in that regard. And for rheumatoid arthritis, we are away from any joint. I mean, we're near the knee if we're doing it in the distal femur. We're near still near the knee joint if we're doing it in the proximal tibia, but we're out of the joint itself and far away from that area of inflammation. So in my opinion, rheumatoid arthritis is not a contraindication. What about femoral neck fractures? Would you use traction for that? I would not use skeletal traction for a femoral neck fracture because we would then get too much force and distraction through that fracture, and that would disrupt the blood supply and actually increase the incidence of avascular necrosis. Got it. Okay. So let's say we're getting ready to put in our pins. You've gone through this a little, but what are the common locations where pins are used? The two far and above most common locations are going to be the distal femur and the proximal tibia. It is possible to put it in the distal tibia, although I've never done that in 20-ish years of doing this, and I don't really see a reason to. The calcaneus is also an option, but again, in all of my years, I've only seen, I think, four or five that I can remember off the top of my head. So calcaneal traction is very rare at our institution. So 99% of the time, we're really looking at the distal femur and the proximal tibia. And there's a, a few tricks to getting the pin in between those two, specifically on the femur, we want to start medially and go laterally. We're trying to avoid the femoral artery and the neurovascular bundle as it ducks down medially at about the distal one-third. So really the best way to find that, and the thing that I really teach here is when you're setting up for this, act like you're in the operating room. So just like any procedure, make sure you have everything that you need, Make sure it's all accessible and it's there. There's nothing worse. And, and I'm sure you've done this in your career. I know I have been halfway through a procedure and realized I forgot something. And there's really no worse feeling at all in the world than realizing that you have to stop what you're doing and go and get something or ask someone to go get something for you and wait for that. So we want to find that patella. We want to find the adductor tubercle on the medial side of the knee. We want to go two centimeters proximal to both of those. That gets us out of the knee joint, and it keeps us away from that femoral bundle. We want to find the center of our femur, and we want to just drill straight through and make sure that we're parallel to the joint and we're parallel to the bed. On the tibia, we do a little bit differently. We start laterally because we want to avoid the perineal nerve as it's running over the fibula there, and we want to go two centimeters past the tibial tuberosity. 
then we go posterior two centimeters down on the tibia. So we go two centimeters toward the foot and two centimeters toward the bed. And since the tibia is shaped like a triangle, the trick there is to get the pin perpendicular to the bone, just as we would in the operating room if we were doing CRPP, and just fire that drill for just a second to get a burr. And then we drop our hand so it's parallel with the joint, parallel with the bed, and run our pin right through that way. Okay, great. You went through some landmarks there and talked about pin placement, which is awesome. If we talk about your clinical experience, and you've done these obviously many times, you're teaching people, do you have any cases or something you might describe for our audience? How you decided, you know, where to put the pin? What was the diagnosis? What happened after the pins? Did the patient go to the OR? That sort of thing. I've done a lot of pins. Honestly, I, I don't even know how many I've done. I, I would I would comfortably say if it's not over a thousand, I'm very close to uh, in, in pins I've personally placed. And then I don't even know how many I've taught. I'm very passionate about skeletal traction and, and I believe it can really help people whenever it's done right. And I think that it can be very barbaric whenever it's not done correctly. And, and I think that it has enough benefits that we should be doing this right for our patients because I do see those patients and I have a lot of cases where we see patients with femoral shaft fractures or hip dislocations. And obviously those patients are in a lot of pain. You, you got to earn that type of fracture. That's not just the kind of thing where you trip and fall or you're playing basketball or something along, along those lines. This is car accidents, falls from significant height, motorcycle accidents, very dramatic type of high energy injuries. Gunshot wounds is another common one that we see. Putting that skeletal traction pin in really helps the patient to be more comfortable. It helps to stabilize that extremity, keep everything in line, prevent the muscles from contracting, and allow for hematoma formation so it decreases the incidence of the patients having anemia and being stressed that way. And it really keeps people more calm through this whole process once the pin is in, just because if you can imagine, if you have a mid-shaft femur fracture, first of all, that does hurt. There's a lot of pain involved in that. And secondly, that leg is completely unsupported. So every time someone moves you from EMS going onto the gurney to every bump in the road on the ambulance, to the transfer onto the bed in the ED, and then onto the CT table, back onto the bed, all of those transfers, that leg is really flopping around and unsupported. Once we can get some traction on there and pull that out to length, that patient feels that stability and they feel better. And it really helps us in the OR too, because it's preventing that contractility of the muscles. It's preventing the hip capsule from tightening up and, and making our reductions more difficult and our fixation more difficult. So there's a lot of benefits to skeletal traction. And, and I see patients come back and I say, do you remember being in the emergency room and having that pin placed? Yes, I do. How did it feel? I just remember a lot of pressure. It was a little uncomfortable, but it felt a lot better afterwards. So I, I'm very passionate about this procedure, and I think that it benefits a lot of people, and we just need to learn how to do it right. Well said, well said. John, I think we've gone over quite a bit with skeletal traction. It's not something that I do. It's something I'm aware of. Have we missed anything? Is there anything else that you would like to cover? I know you had talked about two millimeter pins versus four millimeter. Anything else that you would like to talk about? The biggest thing that I want to say with this is realize that there's a right way to do this and a better way to do this. And 
a lot of places do scalable traction the right way in many different ways. But the best way to be able to do this is to be prepared, have everything you need, do it under sterile technique, use a two millimeter pin. A four millimeter pin is just a massive structure to go through a bone and take your time. Like any procedure, make sure that lidocaine kicks in, give it a minute or two. And let's use this procedure appropriately for the benefit of our patients because it really does work. Good stuff. Okay. Well, I think that's all we got, John. I appreciate your time today and telling us about some level one trauma techniques with skeletal traction. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a real honor. I, I look forward to doing it again at some point in the future. Thank you for joining the OrthoPAC podcast. Please follow the physician assistance and orthopedic surgery on social media. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Please subscribe to our podcast. If this has been helpful, please take a moment to leave a review.